1: Good morning. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota and that beautiful arboretum, Julie Weisenhorn. Speaking of beautiful, here's Julie Weisenhorn. Oh, I had to work that in. Man, you know what that's the hell? Sweet. It's true. Uh, Julie, <laughs> uh, how have you been? You and Carl and the gang?
2: We've been good. We've been good. Um, really, uh, riding the weather roller coaster lately. Gee, so. <laughs> yeah. And I don't Hard to uh, predict.
1: I don't see a whole lot of rain in the forecast either this uh, coming week.
2: Yeah, pretty low percentages of possibility.
1: Well, what uh, what can we do? I mean, we have to, uh, and, and I know there are certain watering restrictions now in effect again, right?
2: Right, right. So, um, yeah, I actually made a list of things people can be doing right now. <laughs> oh, good. Um, Yeah. So one of the things you can do is you certainly have to take into consideration the heat that's coming up. And we have a couple of days in the near future that are going to spike where we're going to get up into the high 90s. Those are really good days to (coughs) really just water your containers and uh, and then also to. plant is to be sure that you're giving it enough water as well. And you can use uh you know certainly hose water, but if you've been collecting rainwater like I have, be sure to be using that too because that has some a little bit of nutrients in it from um from uh organic matter that gets into it. And uh so you can be doing that. So um it's not a good time the next few days to do any kind of seeding on your lawn um Our seed that we plant here is cool season grasses, and this is definitely not cool season. So we're kind of past the window of seeding our lawns. What about
1: fertilizing?
2: You can do fertilizing. Yes, this is the second best time of the year to do fertilizing. Fall is the best uh, when the plants are actively growing, but you can do a little bit of fertilizing. Again, when, when we have such high temperatures... You know, put yourself in the plants position. Um, You don't want to be forcing active growth by fertilizing on those really hot days. So just kind of lay back on these hot days. Water your containers, water your newly planted plants, especially your shrubs. And uh, you could do a little mulching. That would help. That will help to hold in moisture and kind of temper the soil temperatures as well. If you haven't been doing that, you can do that. You can mulch with leaves that you have left over from fall. Or you can mulch with, of course, wood mulch as well.
1: Okay. Uh, If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and you know how busy we get here on the show, call or text Julie at 651-461-9226. Let's see. That's 651-461-9226. Tell you what, uh, Julie, let's grab a call from Lois calling in from uh, Minneapolis this morning. Uh, Thank you, Lois. What's your question for Julie? Well, I'm just wondering what is the best time to water your outdoor plants? And when it's so hot like this, should you water them twice? I think we've lost Julie. Hello, oh. Julie. Well, what we'll do, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll reconnect. We'll reconnect with Julie. Let's do this, uh, Dennis. Let's take a break, and we've got. Come oh, uh, back. <laughs> oh, there's Julie. All right. <laughs> I
2: don't know what happened there. I
1: don't. I don't Technology. know either. But did you uh, did you pick up on that uh, caller's question?
2: I did not. What was the question?
1: Uh, about uh, the heat and watering, should uh, should we water even twice what we normally do? I guess do. I think
2: um, I think the key is when to water, and I would get up a little bit earlier on these hot days and get out there and water before it gets too hot, because that'll allow the water to soak into the soil and won't evaporate, and you won't lose as much of that water.
1: Okay: Here's a text, Julie. It says, uh, "My two-year-old Nankin cherry has never produced fruit this year. It made many beautiful blossoms that were immediately destroyed by the hail. Uh, could it be bad. a pollination issue that it comes could be from Dan?
2: Yeah, it could be a pollination issue. Um, definitely having other plants around for bees to pollinate. Uh, be careful of using pesticides, especially insecticides, that can damage uh, or harm uh, insects. And uh, maybe plant some other pollinator plants in your yard. That will help to encourage them. Bees are attracted to large masses of flowers. So look for those pollinator-friendly plants. We have that on our extension site at extension. and you can go to flowers for pollinators. And there's a whole bunch of different lists of trees and shrubs and flowers that you can plant to encourage pollinators.
1: Great. Uh, Tree question. Autumn blaze maple has gall mites. How do I treat this?
2: You do not treat this. Uh, Galls happen on trees and shrubs. We see them. They're very common. They're just kind of a weird anomaly And uh, they do not harm the plant. They just look a little weird. And that's, you know, we're kind of uncomfortable with that as human beings. (laughs) We want everything to be pretty uniform. But just um, enjoy them for the anomaly that they are. That was advice I got from Bob Mugas, who was a retired extension professor of mine.
1: If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you can call Julie or text Julie at this number, 651 Uh, This uh, listener wants uh, to know what to do with pocket gophers digging tunnels in my garden.
2: Yeah, gophers, good Lord. They are tough, just like moles and voles and all those little critters. Um, Pocket gophers, most of the time with these varmints, you need to, just like moles and voles and all those little critters. Um, Pocket gophers, most of the time with these varmints, you need to, you want to make your environment inhospitable to them. So if there's areas where they nest, uh, if there's areas, certain things that they are, you know, an access point that they're getting in, maybe maybe fence it or, or screen it somehow. Uh, sometimes we have holes in our, you know, walls or edges of the plants. You can stuff a little hardware cloth in there to keep them out of there. Um, you can use, I think, traps, and you can use baits. Um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. So if you can exclude them, that is the best way to do it.
1: All right. Let's do this, Julie. Let's take a quick break and be uh, right back with more callers and more textures on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, call or text Julie 651 461 Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, we're on our way to uh, 85 degrees right now at 68. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your phone calls and text messages, uh, the messages this morning for uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension. We call it Smart Garden. And uh, <laughs> Julie, we have callers, we have textures to keep you busy probably for three, four days if we, if we could. Let's, uh, let's get back to the phones. Kay, I believe, is first up here calling from Good Hue. Uh, Kay, thank you for waiting. Kay, what is your question?
3: Yes,
2: I have about three of them. My daughters are having trouble with that potato beetle bug, and what's the best stuff to put on them? Potato beetles, yeah, they can be a problem. Um, I am going to refer you actually to our yard and garden page about that. is to take a look, we do have a page on that. The important thing is that they've identified the insect correctly and that they know that it's for sure the potato beetles. Um, and, and take a look at some of the options. There are cultural options uh, and there are also some chemical options too. So that's going to be on under our vegetables page on yard and garden at, and so that's extension.umn.edu. And what were your other questions, uh, Kay? Yes, I have another one. Um, on my spinach and radishes, I'm not worried about my radishes, but um,
3: there's a little white dot.
2: Is that anything? Should I be sprinkling, uh, dusting them or something? Uh, this is This might be something called carcospora leaf spot, and it's really just more of a cosmetic issue on the leaves and um, not much to do about it. So uh, it is just a pathogen that we have uh, that grows on some of our leafy vegetables.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you, Kay. Let's talk to, and then we'll get back to some text messages, too. Uh, Edna is calling in from Apple Valley this morning. Edna, thank you. What is your question? Thank you for the show. I just love it
2: every Saturday. <laughs> awesome. I I wonder if uh, pine cones are a good mulch. Well, I think pine cones would make a fine mulch. They are, uh, they're not going to break down very quickly. Um, if they are you know, a fir cone, so a little softer, or if they are um, a kind of a woodier cone, those might be a little harder to use. Or if they're a spruce cone, which is very small, those would be a good mulch too. So uh, yeah, I think they would, I think they'd be really attractive. I love pine cones. I collect pine cones all the time. And uh, they do knit together well, meaning they kind of, you know, their, their uh, plates kind of intersect and hold together so they wouldn't blow away and they wouldn't Wash away and they do allow a lot of air and moisture. So, yeah, they probably make a pretty interesting mulch.
1: Mm, yeah, I guess. Um, I'm going to get back to the phones, but I'm looking at a text message that says this I have a tall tropical plant with three twisted half inch trunks. It has reached my eight foot ceiling. <laughs> One of the trunks has died and is hollow. Should oh, I cut it bad. out and repot?
2: Oh boy. I wonder what tropical plant it is. That's my first question. Um, it sounds like it was a plant that the that three plants were woven together or that or it's a multi-trunked plant that was kind of woven together somehow or twisted together when it was young and it grew that way. Unfortunately, when one of those trunks or stems dies, then you're stuck with two and and that's not quite as visually pleasing and uh, a little bit more difficult to remove, but if it is dead, I think you could look at it two ways. If it's going to ruin the look of the plant, certainly leaving it there is not going to, uh, you know, if, if removing it is going to ruin the look of the plant, say, say they're braided, then I would leave it. Actually, I would consider it more like a piece of structure to hold the plant in place. But if it looks really bad, then you're going to want to cut it out. And at that point, um, then you're going to have to decide if the plant is, you know, still looks okay and if it's something that you want to continue.
1: Hmm. I think we just lost Julie again. I wonder if it's sunspots. I just want to alert uh, Mike and Egan, you're going to be next. And then followed by Doug in Buffalo, just to keep you on the, on the horn so you're not too, too impatient. We appreciate your patience. And then we'll, of course, pick up on... More uh, text messages as well. If you're new to the show, here is our phone number. It happens to be also our text number, if that's an easier method for you. I am having a
2: terrible time with my connection today. I apologize to everybody. I'm not sure what's going on here.
1: Well, I'm not either. (laughs) Me with my high-tech... um, yeah. capabilities here. I've, I've only um, got
2: like two choices here. So. Well, we might
1: we might do uh, when we head to the break at the bottom is kind of reconnect in a different uh, different mode. We'll see Maybe what happens so. here.
2: We'll keep pushing through. Yes.
3: Well, let's
1: grab a phone call. Mike, is, I think as I alluded to Mike in, in Egan, that uh, he would be next. Let's see if Mike is still there. Mike, are you with us? Yeah. What's your question, please?
3: Uh, we have a
1: Japanese tree lilac. And last night, my wife discovered that uh, a whole lot of the uh, blossoms were lying at the bottom of the tree. And uh, it looked
2: like they'd been pulled apart um, from the stem. uh, And I never saw that before. Oh, Interesting. I I am going to say that that is... I'm going to say that that is... uh... Did we lose Did I lose you again? Oh, you're okay, okay. I'm watching Dennis's uh gauge here going up and down. I'm gonna say that that is actually squirrel issues that the squirrels are in there kind of pruning the trees, and that uh-huh. that is that might be the problem, and that they just broke them off. They kind of just went in and shredded and broke them off. all
1: right very good, thank you, Mike. Yeah,
2: that's all I can think of. <laughs>
1: Very good. Uh, I tell you, before we head to uh, the weather, let's get a phone call from Doug calling in, I believe, from uh, Buffalo this morning. Doug, thank you. What is your question for uh, for Julie? Yes, um, I have a 10-year-old silver maple. Half of the tree is full bloom. The other side, the leaves are about half the size of the other side of the tree.
2: Okay. So there's something going on on the one side of the tree where the leaves are smaller uh, it could be that there was some damage to that side of the tree, and that, uh, or there could be a little bit of girdling on those branches for some reason. That's when a animal chews through the, the kind of the growing part of the stem. So it could be that um, it could be related to uh, some earlier damage to that, maybe storm damage, and the leaves have were lost the first flush of leaves, and now this is the second flush of leaves in that part of the part of the property if you've done any construction or any kind of work in your yard you know laid a new sidewalk dug up any kind of soil around that you may have uh set the tree back a little bit on that side too so it kind of it's probably abiotic it's probably not a disease issue silver maples are tough trees they're native trees here in minnesota very large trees too
1: This text to Julie says, thank you for this program. You're welcome. My friend has a service berry bush in her backyard next to the alley. Last year, in the heat and drought, the berries dried up Mm -hmm. and uh, no ripe ones. This year, uh, the the berries started to grow. The plant was just loaded with berries. Then about two weeks later, the berries turned brown, dried up. What do you think the problem is?
2: I think when this kind of thing happens, uh, it has to do, there could be some Residual stress on the plant after last year. Last year was a tough year for plants, and it and it those plants were under stress for a long time through that heat and drought that we had. And I think when I hear things like that, I wonder if it has to do with kind of last year was tough on the tree, and the tree just as has to recover for a couple years. The other thing to look up, kind of like with the previous caller with the silver maples, look around. Was there some? Is there something going on in that area? Uh, They said it's out by kind of by their alley. Uh, Are the roots really confined? Uh, Has a tree gotten so big that the roots, uh, you know, they can only grow so far now and they can't support things like berries? There's a lot of energy in plants that go into flowering and fruiting. So uh, if the plant can't support the berries, they let the berries drop. Um, So it could be that as well. So take a look around the plant. Um, Think about like how big that root zone is. Uh, Look for other issues. Have people sprayed out there? Did they spray anything for, you know, weeds? Um, How hot is it? That's another thing, too. And then we did have that really tough year last year.
1: Yeah, it was a tough year last year. brutal. Big time, right? Brutal. Julie, uh, hang on. We're going to talk, speaking of hot weather, we're going to see how hot it's going to be this coming week. So stay with us. We have about another half hour of our Smart Garden show to go. If you have a question, a lawn of garden type For Julie Weisenhorn, call or text 651-461-9226. We'll get the weather coming at you next here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour on CCO this morning, uh, Julie Weisenhorst is helping you out from the U of M. Uh, 651 461 I was kind of browsing through the callers and the texters here. But before we get to both, uh, let's do a little bit of talking like we like to do about the Arboretum. I just received uh, my new uh, uh, updated uh, membership cards. Excellent. They're kind of pretty in themselves.
2: Yeah, they look nice. Don't they?
1: But anyway, uh, what's going on? There's so many good things at the Arboretum to do, no matter what the weather of the season.
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, I, have, I office out at the Arboretum, so I am super lucky um, and enjoy it and try to get out every day for a short walk over lunch or something. And uh, certainly we had this kind of compressed bloom season where many of our woody plants like crab apples and azaleas and red bud all bloomed kind of in this short period because we had a late spring that was quite cool, and then we kind of burst into warmer weather. And the nice thing is we had some cooler temperatures prior to this that allowed for those blossoms to stay. So lilacs have finished blooming now, but now we have a lot of our perennials starting to bloom, and the rose gardens are blooming as well. Um, we also have wonderful collections like the grass collection that Mary Myers, our curator for. We also have a, you know, we have a fantastic pine collection and it's not an area that many people take time to walk through. It's not as flashy as the, you know, some of the perennial gardens and things. It's out on three mile drive. And I just want to put a plug in for walking through the pine collection. The pines we have are some of the finest in the nation, and we have a very uh, extensive collection. And there's a lot of good interpretive signage and a little interpretive center that's pretty cool in the middle of the pine selection. So this uh, is pine, a pine collection. So I would encourage people to, when you get on Three Mile Drive, get out of your car, uh, park by the Dahlia Trials, and walk through the pine collection. And Mary's collection of grasses is right there as well. And so is the maze. If you've got kids take the kids to the maze. It's kind of challenging. Maybe not for little children, but it is for me. (laughs) I (laughs) tend to get lost in it. I I never can remember the way to get out of that thing. Um, The other nice thing too, that's right in that space uh, is, are the hydrangea trials. And some listeners may have been in our workshop in April. Uh, Brandon Miller, who's our landscape horticulturist, he's a faculty member in our department. He and I taught a couple of workshops on pruning hydrangeas. And our, class, our students did a fabulous job. They're beautiful and they're budding out and they are right across the road from the pine collection. And uh, and also we have our shrubs, the flowering shrubs, right in that area. So, so as you go around Three Mile Drive, be sure to stop and walk around and get out and get into the plants.
1: Okay, we lost Julie again. Well, while we're reconnecting, Six five one four six one nine two two six. That is our text number. It is also our phone number, uh, and I want to alert uh, both Ken and Blaine and uh, Patricia in St. Paul as did soon I as get we lost again. We oh, did. We did. I but apologize. Let's, well, just real briefly, uh, if we're going to go to the arboretum, oh, we yes. do it online, right?
2: Yes. Go online. Uh, get a reservation. If you're a member, there's no cost. If you are not a member, you might want to consider being a member uh just a couple of visits and you've paid for your membership so you can do that online uh get a nice card like Denny did and uh and then you can just get into the arboretum anytime you want so uh uh yes but do make a reservation and uh that really helps with parking and kind of crowd control
1: speaking of crowds uh, <laughs> you you're going to be you and the abiders that the group you play with are going to be there
2: Well, God bless you for saying crowds, so we hope that. Yeah, we're going to be actually at the Arboretum, too. We are playing for music in the garden. It's in the early afternoon on Sunday, July 10th, out at the Ordway Picnic Shelter. So come on out and hear me and the fellas. It'll be a lot of fun. We love playing there.
1: And it's outdoors.
2: And it's outdoors in in a nice, cool shelter. Even on the hottest day, there's a breeze off of the Green Heron Pond. And it's shady and cool, and there's seating, and it's it's really great. It's a it's one of my favorite places to actually play.
1: July 10th. All July right. 10th, yep. We'll, we'll remind you of that as we move uh, getting closer to the date. All right, let's get back to the phones, Julie. I think Ken is still <laughs> in Blaine unless he's moved. Uh, Ken, uh, you're on with Julie. What is your question, please? Good morning. Uh, I have a, a full-size
3: ginkgo tree, and uh, for some reason this year, the bottom half of the tree is fully leafed out the top half of the tree has no leaves
2: Hmm. wow you know a big tree like a ginkgo tree they're so unique and they're so interesting Um, i would contact a certified arborist to take a look at that it sounds to me like there's some issues with the vascular system of the tree um, that maybe things are not reaching Uh, the height up to that full top of the tree and the full canopy. So I would contact a certified arborist. We have a good web page that not only gives you a website to go to to find an arborist in your area, but also some good guidelines on things to ask an arborist and also to just double check kind of, you know, what's their certification, some questions to ask. So that's going to be on extension.umn.edu and visit Yard and Garden and go to Trees and shr- uh, trees and Shrubs, and you'll be able to find it under there. Okay. I'm
1: going to grab one more call, and then we'll pick up on the text messages. Patricia is waiting there in St. Paul to ask you a question. Thank you, Patricia. What is your question?
2: Hi. I'm a first-time uh, uh, grower of roses, and I bought two rose bushes, and I bought one is um, I believe called Music Box. Another one is a cashmere. And I planted them about a month ago. I did everything right, the soil, and they're blooming already. But I noticed the other morning when I went out, it looked like some of the leaves were gone, especially on the bottom. And so I thought, well, they didn't look like they fell off. So I'm just wondering, somebody said rabbits really, literally eat them and don't leave any trails behind, or is it squirrels? And what can I do to prevent that? Because they're beautiful. Yeah, well, good for you for trying roses. They're, um, they're beautiful plants, and, uh, boy, it sounds to me like you're really engaged with that, and, and, and it's going to be fun. I think it probably is rabbits. Could be. If you don't see any, like, dead leaves dropped at the bottom, then it probably is rabbits or some other little critter. You can fence your roses. I know that that's not aesthetically as pleasing, but it, it, it does save the plant from being uh, eaten. And I would recommend a product called Hardware Cloth, They are very small, Uh, it's a very sturdy fencing with small uh, holes in it or small squares in it. And you can buy it in lengths of two foot or or heights of two foot, three foot, and four foot. You can buy it at a hardware store. Um, I would make a circle of that and I would bury the bottom of it probably, I don't know, a couple of inches maybe if you can. Make it big enough so you can certainly work around the rose. You can prune it, the flowers will stretch out. And I think that that will help. Um, with the rabbits. The other thing that i found to be helpful is to sprinkle some Milorganite around the base of plants that that animals tend to enjoy. So uh, Milorganite is a product. You can buy it at hardware stores, big box stores, garden centers. It's a little bit of nutrition. Uh, I think it's probably, it's like a low nitrogen, maybe some phosphorus in it. And uh, it's a black pelleted fertilizer. And just... As an aside, it is a product that comes from Milwaukee, and it's actually made of, <clears throat> get ready, sewage sludge. But it is acts as a pretty good repellent for animals. They don't like the smell. Um, it's not terribly offensive to me. It smells kind of just like fertilizer. But it adds a little nutrients, and it might actually help with repelling as well. So fencing or malorganite.
1: Okay. Let's grab a text before we take a quick break here. As the listener says, my tomato plants have black spots on the leaves. Is that Sephora leaf spot? Uh, if yes, what can I spray them with? I prefer organic spray. And can I spray today before the heat? I'm back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't did know you what's get? going on here. I don't know either. Uh, we'll confer ones. when uh, toward the end of the show. But uh, did you hear well, my question?
2: Maybe not. Black- Black spots on tomatoes. Yes. Yeah. So take a look at our uh, diseases of tomatoes and disorders of tomatoes, and that is going to be uh, also on the extension site. We have we have so much information about tomatoes because it's such a popular crop. So go ahead and take a look at that. And uh, there's pictures there. You can also use the our diagnostic tool called What's Wrong with My Plant, and you can key it out that way, starting with vegetables and then going to tomatoes, and then you can look at a whole bunch of different pictures. And try to zero in on that. The one thing about that is we have really three issues with tomatoes. Septoria leaf spot, early blight, learn pictures, and try to zero in on that. The one thing about that is we have really three issues with tomatoes. Septoria leaf spot, early blight, late, and late blight. Once you start to see that the spots and things on the plant, there's not a lot to do about it. So I would modify your watering, water at the base of the plant, do not overhead water, mulch your plant. Uh, And then also uh, be sure that if you are doing any pruning of the plant, like pruning off these dead leaves, that you sterilize or clean, I should say, disinfect your pruner uh, using uh, an alcohol, 70% alcohol or uh, a Lysol all-purpose cleaner on your tool. So spray that. And we have a good website on cleaning and disinfecting tools, too. You do not want to transfer this, whatever it is, from one plant to the next.
1: For sure. And, as, again, it's a great uh, website, extension. extension.umn.edu. We'll remind you that again before uh, Julie takes her leave today. We'll uh, need to take a quick break here. 651 461 9226. Don't forget coming along next hour. Andy Lindis will be answering your home improvement questions. So keep those in mind as we move through this uh, Saturday in CCO land right now in the Twin Cities. We're on our way, by the way, to 85 today, right now. 68 degrees on CCO. Stay with us. Good morning. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long along with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Uh, wishing your dad happy Father's Day tomorrow, Julie. I think we just lost, <laughs> we lost Julie again. Uh, I don't. There she is. Happy Father's Day to your dad.
2: Hey, happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. Uh, I'm so grateful to have my dad uh, to celebrate with tomorrow. We're going to Get together with, uh, with him and my mom and uh, hang out. So, uh, yeah. Happy Father's Day, Dad. You're the best.
1: And to all the dads out there. And to all That's the dads,
2: yeah. yeah. Gardeners or not.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Julie, uh, with the remaining minutes, we got a bunch of text messages. Let's see right. uh, how many we can help. Leaves on my hibiscus tree uh, trees are yellowing and falling off. Are they dying?
2: No, uh, those uh, leaves tend to fall off for a couple reasons. One is if you've recently moved them out onto your deck or patio, uh, it's the change in environment, growing environment, or it could be that you're overwatering and maybe your pot isn't draining very well. So check the drainage, make sure that you might have to repot it too. They get pot bound. Uh, and, and then also if you've just recently moved it out, it could just be that, but they, it will be just fine. It'll grow right back.
1: Are mock orange bushes like lilacs, and could I cut back after blooming?
2: Yes, yes, I'm so glad somebody uh, asked that question. So spring-blooming shrubs uh, like lilacs, which have just finished, mock orange, uh, some of our spring-blooming spirea, it's time to prune those uh, in preparation for next year's flowers. They set buds about a month after they bloom, uh, when they're finished blooming. And so you want to get in there and prune right away so that you don't prune off the flower buds for next year. So, yes, that's good timing. Thank you for asking that.
1: Speaking of pruning, can you prune flowering bushes when it's this hot?
2: Mm, That's a great question, too. I guess I would kind of hold off. I personally don't want to be outside pruning at this time. So so maybe just hold off until, uh, you know, or do it early, early in the morning so that it's not quite as stressful for you and the plant.
1: Dexter wants to know what role do ants play, if any, in the opening of peonies?
2: Oh, that's a good question, and I don't think they play a lot of role in the opening. They just like the the kind of the sugary um, uh, sap that's on there, or the sugary coating that's on the leaves or on the on the buds.
1: Okay, can hostas so be transplanted role. this time of year? Hostas.
2: Hostas can be transplanted any time of the year, um, <laughs> except winter. And uh, uh, what I would recommend is if you can hold off until you get a stretch of cooler weather, that would be advised. Um, also, uh, really the easiest time to transplant them, if, if you're just moving them in your own yard or, uh, or, you know, dividing them, is in the spring when they're small. Because now if you move them, they're going to look kind of floppy. And uh, so, I don't know, it's, it's best to do it in the spring, but you can do it pretty much any time yeah. of the season.
1: Okay. Dexter says, I have uh, tiny tamarack seedlings that were planted from seed. Oh, Wondering nice. how to overwinter them if I keep them in pots.
2: Well, if you keep them in pots, um, you can overwinter them outside. You can keep them outside and let them go dormant. And, uh, and then you could bury them in leaves. Well, or you, can do, uh, you could also protect them uh, by putting a ring of hardware cloth around the pot itself. And then, and then filling that ring and covering the pot and the plant with leaves. Okay, how low,
1: how low can a rhododendron be cut back?
2: <laughs> that sounded great. Uh, not very low. Um, rhododendrons are broadleaf evergreens, and if you start pruning off their branches, uh, a lot of their branches, and cutting it down, it's not that kind of a plant. It has a stem, a center stem. And so, if you prune it too low, you're going to start losing a lot of the energy that the plant uh, produces through those broad leaves. So uh, you want to really be selective and not prune your rhododendrons very much, just the occasional branch that maybe gets out of like, gets a little wanky on the on the plant.
1: Looking at a text that same thing happened to us when we uh, opened up our backyard. <laughs> not, not on purpose. The winter deer ate the lower third of our Arborvitae evergreen oh, trees. Will they ever come back?
2: No, probably not. Uh, especially if you continue to have deer, they will continue to feed on those. Uh, you get this kind of mushroom look to your Arborvitaes. Um, I think what I would do is if you wanted to keep those plants, I would actually prune them to make them, I'd even them out so that they actually look like you intended to do that. Um, you're not going to be able to uh, fence them or spray a repellent. Um, you might get a little bit of growback on some of the outer branches, but not really in the lower part where they've taken them down. I would just clean them up.
1: Julie we have 60 seconds to go and then you can reboot <laughs> whatever you're going to be doing with with your technical gear there but in the meantime let's let's uh, give us that uh, university website again and certainly pay a visit the arboretum but how do we find that beautiful great just chock full of information website
2: Yeah it's at extension.umn.edu go to yard and garden and if you did not get your question answered or if you have one during the week, you can go to Ask Extension. And uh, Master Gardeners are standing by to take your questions via email.
1: Extension.umn.edu. Yes. You'll love it and you'll be referring to it <laughs> quite often. Well, Julie, uh, you have a good week. Stay cool and thanks, thanks for thanks. all your help. And uh, we'll, we hope to straighten out our technical difficulties I know. Good during Dave. the week. All right. Have a good week, okay. Julie. You too, Denny. Julie Weisenhorn from uh, the University of Minnesota. Get those uh, home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour. Again, it's the same number. You can call in or text in that uh, same number. In the meantime, look for sunshine today here in the Twin Cities. What's our high? Near 85. We dropped to 69 overnight for your Sunday and Father's Day tomorrow. Near 96 degrees. Right now, a few clouds. Our current temperature reading 68 degrees from A three O
3: WCCO.